You're listening to Drones in America on Market Scale. Your host, Grant Guillot, leads the Unmanned Aircraft Systems Practice Team for the law firm of Adams & Reese. Every week, he will be chatting with leaders, influencers, and experts who are impacting the rapidly growing commercial drone industry in the United States to help us through the complex web of technology and policy. Welcome back to Drones in America by MarketScale. I'm your host, Grant Giat, leader of the Unmanned Aircraft Systems Practice Team at the law firm of Adams & Reese. This week, I am joined by Michael Blades, Vice President of Aerospace, Defense, and Security in the Americas at Frost & Sullivan. Michael, welcome to the program. Hey, Grant. How you doing? Good, good. Thanks for joining. So, one of the things I wanted to kind of start off is by asking about your experience in aviation. I know you have a good bit of military experience with the Air Force. Um, how did you, your path going from the military um, rising through Frost and Sullivan leads you to this point where you're so heavily involved and considered an expert and a visionary in the commercial drone industry? Well, like you said, I was in the Air Force for 25 years, um, if you count the four years of the academy, um, but 21 years as a pilot, flying three different aircraft. One of those aircraft was uh, AWACS, which is obviously an intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance plane. I'm, I didn't conduct any intelligence surveillance reconnaissance. I just flew the aircraft. The, the folks behind me did all the important stuff. But when I got to Frost and Sullivan about eight years ago, our uh, unmanned air aircraft and unmanned systems analysts had just left to go work for, of all places, a UVSI. So I was really the only person that had any ISR experience, even though it was indirect, from, from the air. So I just fell into doing drone research. I mean, I actually had some friends who were flying RPAs in the Air Force that I could lean on to, to discuss. And when I came to Frost and Sullivan um, in 2011, the only market really was military market, you know, the commercial market it didn't really take off until 2013 and after, you know, after DJI released the uh, Phantom 1. And so it just naturally flowed over into the commercial market because my company is very interested in and in focused on helping companies grow and understand growth markets and commercial UAS was a growth market. And I've had to understand the research from every angle if possible since then. What is your opinion of where we are at in terms of the growth of the market? You know, of course, part 107 um, opened up a lot of doors for people in this industry um, starting in 2016, of course, at the end of 2016. Are these companies who are utilizing drones finally seeing a return on their investment? Or are, are these companies really reaping the benefits of being able to use this form of technology to, you know, cut costs and reduce risk? Well, I think the answer is yes and no. Um, it sort of depends on the company. There's a lot of services providers out there that are, are doing well. Uh, Tom Walker and Drone Up seem to be doing quite well. I've, I've talked to several services providers that are um, having 100% or more uh, growth in revenues each year. Of course, you have to take into account what that grew from. It could have been a small number, but you also see a lot of consolidation with mergers and acquisitions and companies going away. And I think that's 
mainly a, a result of so many companies flocking into the hype, hyped up market at the beginning and not all, all of them having a, a great business plan. But uh, the ones who sort of understood that, that, that data was really the, the commodity here in the drone market and <clears throat> understanding how to create a end-to-end solution a full stack solution from whatever application they're doing and that th- those companies are doing well. And also there, I, I think I've seen more success in companies that are focusing on a niche, you know, the one size fits all is, is not a working. Uh, you, you, you can't have a, a company that offers drone services that tries to do everything. So there are companies that are focusing on uh, oil and gas and energy. There's other companies that are focusing on precision ag and integrating their uh, their capabilities or tools from a commercial UAS perspective into uh, the overall precision ag market, like, you know, uh, autonomous tractors and ground sensors and all that mixed in together. And then there's other companies that are focusing on drone in a box where they um, everything's autonomous and wants to be beyond visual line of sights in place, or they can get waivers to operate in a specific area. They're going to have fully autonomous drones that operate. Um, there's, companies that are building drones to fit niche markets, like things that uh, DJI doesn't do like extra long endurance drones or focusing on those niche areas and and becoming a subject matter expert in understanding how drones can help a certain business or um, be integrated into certain business in order to to do those things you were talking about, understanding cost efficiencies and uh, safety increases or those are where the, the, success is being found which industries are you seeing using drones the most um i think we're seeing a lot of use in uh, one of the things i mentioned first was in the energy industry uh oil and gas well let me let me be more broad here where we're seeing the most adoption is obviously where the the rois are are kind of in your face they're kind of no-brainers when you can uh, fly a, a drone over a flare stack without having to, to shut down the entire facility where you're trying to refine oil, uh, you're, you're talking, you know, six digits of savings, you know, so that's, that's, that's a pretty easy ROI to measure and, and um, justify using drones for. Uh, other, other issues um, are maybe not as easy to define, so you have to you have to conduct the, the testing and the data and the, 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 the case studies to understand where drones are useful and where they get to the ROI. And the ones that obviously can produce the best ROI are the ones where you're seeing more adoption. So that's a lot of that's in the oil and gas industry, the energy industry. Um, uh, construction is, is adopting. Um, you're seeing a lot of uh, use in, in well, within the energy industry, I've, I've talked to several people who so say there's a lot more going on, not necessarily in the U.S., but globally with uh, power line distribution inspections, um, where it's a little bit easier to get uh, approvals to operate beyond visual line of sight or operate drones from from a vehicle while moving and things like that. So that allows you to, to do those inspections better. But um, so some uses, I don't know. It's uh, it's going to be still a little while before we understand exactly what the ROIs are and um, it just it, like with almost anything else, it just depends. There, there might be somebody who out there figures out how to do something that's not 
giving you a large ROI now that could give you a larger ROI in the future because they use a, a cheaper software or a cheaper drone or cheaper subsystems or, or whatever. But right now, the energy market is really seeming to adopt more. Um, I know the delivery market is everybody wants this to hype it up as this huge opportunity. I, I just don't see that coming to fruition. Um, just because I think the infrastructure costs are going to be much too high to support delivering something from a, you know, something you really don't need from a distribution center straight to your house when it can already be done, you know, by the end of the day or the next day already, just unless you can show that you can do that for very, very cheap and very, very efficiently. It, it, there's just, I don't see the, uh, the market supporting that. Recently, Frost and Sullivan released its global commercial UAS market outlook for 2020, which, of course, you authored. And you referred to the industry as transitioning from a nascent state to a growth stage. What's leading you to believe that we're leaving the point of where this is a new industry and people are learning this industry to actually moving into a phase now where we're starting to see more growth? Well, first of all, the, the numbers there, they sound large, but the, the growth numbers I have are, are pretty flat. And so when you see a an, an, an industry where you're having more and more adoption, but the, in, the growth is slow and steady, I think that's where you've gone from sort of a nascent market to a growth market. And really, this has sort of been a market uh, on the rise since 2013 with a lot of hype behind it. Now, seven years later, now we're starting to see that transition. I think a lot of that has to do with uh, regulation and business models. And from a regulatory standpoint, you mentioned earlier, part 107, that has really opened up a lot of capabilities, right? There's a lot that can be done within the confines of 107. Um, I'm going to mention his name again because I was so impressed with his presentation at Interdrone last year. But Tom Walker will tell you, look, stop whining about FAA being so slow and take advantage of what you can do in part 107 because there's so many things you can do. Um, right, I agree. Tom is doing great things with the industry. He was actually our first guest on this podcast. So yeah, Drone Up's doing a great job. Yeah, and there's other companies that are they're doing well too. And I think where where you're going to see, and I think again, an another reason why I'm saying that this market is kind of going from nascent to to a, a growth market is the one obstacle has been regulatory, and 107 has has fulfilled that. Or, or allowed us to get over that obstacle to a certain degree. And there's not going to be, even I think when remote ID and beyond visual eyesight come out, I still don't think it's going to be this explosive growth. I think it's still going to be maybe a, a higher growth, but not this, you know, exponential growth because you still have to deal with public acceptance and issues like that. But the other thing that I thought was, had been holding the market back for such a, well, I don't want to say such a long time, but holding it back for longer than it should have been is companies weren't really focusing on how do we explain how a drone can be beneficial to the decision makers of a company that will be integrating these drones into what they do. We know what the drone can do. We can do it from, from day to day because we understand, but how do we make the subject matter expertise uh, the, the, I'm sorry, the subject matter experts understand that they can bring this tool into what they do and, and do it more efficiently and more cost effectively, saving money or, or increasing safety or whatever that, uh, you know, that 
metric is at, at the end of the day. But how do we tell that story to the decision maker so they know that they really should bring the, the drone in or or at least consider adding drones to their toolbox to uh, to, to do maybe to uh, improve uh, what how they do things now. Um, but telling that yeah, I was gonna say just telling that story is has been a challenge. I think companies are understanding that they that they need to focus more on telling that story to the C-level executives or to the people who um, are making decisions in a way that they can say, I get that. Yes, we'll do it. Or I, I, I don't think that's going to work. No, just make it in their language so they can make the decision easier. And I think that's where the return on investment, the reduced cost, the reduced risk, the increased efficiency, all that comes into play. And, you know, one of the things I'm always advising my clients, and it's not just on the industry level, um, you're, you're absolutely, I, I completely agree with you. You need to get in with the decision makers, the people who have the power to you know, not only embrace and adopt a drone program, but also um, who stand to benefit the most from more efficient operations that drones are uniquely able to provide. But it's also on the government level as well, because, you know, and we'll get into this in a little bit, but the public perception issues we have in this country, I feel like so much of it stems from the fact that our own government leaders don't understand all the good that drones can do. So I think I absolutely agree with you. It's very important to get these messages across to the people at the top so that they can then trickle down. Um, but one of another, the other things I really wanted to focus on here was COVID-19, obviously. We're in the middle of this pandemic. We're seeing the economy um, slowing down and obviously having issues right now, although there's hope that things will start turning around as soon as we're able to start leaving our houses again and no longer having to practice social distancing, at least to the same degree we're having to do so right now. What do you see happening with the commercial drone industry in the short term right now as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic? I haven't been able to talk to a lot of actual end users or, or, or service providers about this specific issue. Um, what I've been able to gain from just talking about things in general, you know, operations in general, is that um, because of what we do with drones – they are already sort of outside of the uh, the grasp of COVID nineteen, right? They, it you're not touching people, you're not around people. I mean, just the nature of operating one hundred and seven, you're not supposed to fly drones over people, so there shouldn't be a lot of people around. So, it, it your, your social distancing shouldn't be a whole lot of an issue. That said, I think a lot of the people, if they're working from home and they're not requiring drones, I mean, I think construction is still going to be okay. I think the energy industry is still going to be okay. If you are supposed to be doing uh, inspections for that kind of stuff, infrastructure, all that. So I think there will be a little bit of a slowdown just because of the nature of everything being stopped. There's going to be s some sort of decrease in the demand for drones. And I already thought that, uh, I thought 2019 was going to be more of a year where we saw a lot of um, consolidation and, and, and um, exits from the market. But that really didn't happen towards the end of the year. And I thought that that was going to accelerate into this year. And so now I think that COVID is probably going to increase that acceleration just because companies were already sort of the ones who were maybe on the edge of staying in business or not um, continuing as a business were 
are going to get hit by this thing and where they, they're just not going to be able to stay in business and at a larger rate than before. So I think this is going to accelerate the uh, consolidation in the market. That said, the smart people who operate drones are going to figure out ways to use these things in order to help with COVID, the COVID response. Um, unfortunately, I don't say unfortunately, FAA supposedly is working on, um, I talked to some folks in the industry saying that they're uh, working on a plan to fast track COVID-19 specific drone operations. Um, I haven't heard of any particular issues with that or any, any uh, requirements or what they're going to do, but the word is they are actually working on that. So you don't have to go through this, the normal lengthy um, arduous waiver process. So hopefully we'll see something uh, come along with that. So that if you're actually doing something, you know, uh, monitoring people uh, with regards to uh, like a pre-screen to see if they might be sick with a, a thermal imager on a drone or something like that. or Right. Dragonfly, I believe, is yeah. one of the companies that's doing that. And I thought it was – they have what's called a pandemic drone, and I thought that was very interesting. So Yeah, they got $1.5 million to, to develop that. I'm not, it's another one of those things that I'm not sure that how much of this stuff we're going to be able to get done before the apex of this thing. Um, but down the road, it, it's probably going to be something that we can use if there's another outbreak um, that maybe that doesn't even reach pandemic levels. But using the drones to um, sort of monitor social distancing was a little bit, you know, dystopian. But I know they're doing it. They did it in China. They're doing some of that in Europe. They had a uh, like a I don't want to say nonprofit, but it just I, I, like a group or a club that was flying drones around i can't remember if it was in new jersey or new york or somewhere saying hey make sure you're staying away from each other six feet um i saw a video the other day about chasing some somebody down i think it was it was where are you guys going and cuss them out for not but that to me that's that's not a good look that's not going to help drones no indeed in fact i'm you know i have clients and other contacts in the industry who have several have sent me that same story and talking about how horrible it is for our industry and it truly is um you know and before we move on actually i think that ties in directly to the next topic which is public perception but before we move on to that one of the things that you know you touched on the companies that are smart who will survive you know any negative economic effects there are to the drone industry as a result of, as a result of COVID-19 um, I have a couple clients who it seems like when things go n negatively for other end-user industries um, for example, the campfire issue with the, the forest fires in California um, a while back or hurricanes, um, that I have clients who that is their time to shine and they're actually able to really establish themselves during times of hardship because they're able to seize on the risk reduction and cost saving capabilities of drones you know, to, to help keep these end users in business. So I, I, I think there is some potential there for some of these companies that are seeing economic setbacks to further harness, you know, the capabilities of drones to continue functioning or at least to help with the economic recovery that's inevitably going to have to happen across various industries in America. So I, I think, you know, I agree, it's going to be an issue of who can evolve, who can find an innovative way to hang in there and to continue to grow 
in this type of environment, but I do think the possibilities certainly are there. Yeah, you're echoing uh, a lot of what I said in that uh, commercial UAS report that you were talking about that we just released. I mean, uh, I added a COVID page specifically before I uh, published it because of, you know, we're right smack in the middle of this thing at at the publishing time. So, you know, I I said, expect forward-thinking drone services providers uh, to seek those partnerships that allow them to uh, present prospective clients with comprehensive demonstrations um, or case studies that prove how their services could help mitigate future black swan events. Right. So it, 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 it could possibly insulate them against not conducting business during a similar situation. If they have a drone, maybe they can do something uh, with relation to their business that they couldn't do if they had to, uh, comply with the same restrictions we have now in the future. Um, and uh, I think even though we've seen some of this negative press on drones, I think um, at the end of this, there might be a, a renewed interest in drones because um, many existing in, and even some uses that maybe we didn't think of before this um, will arise out of this this pandemic. And um, also that may drive um, – some different definitions on what urgent needs are um, with required or with uh, respect to the FAA approving or or fast tracking waivers to do things during times like this, just like they do, like what you said during hurricanes and natural disasters and things like that. Absolutely. I think in speaking with clients, I, my hope is that this entire COVID-19 pandemic will result in a net positive for the drone industry. I think it will. I think it will. Absolutely. So I brought this up a couple times, but now I want to move into it because I read a, uh, a article um, and I remember seeing this tweet that you posted last May about the movie Angel Has Fallen, which um, Gerard Butler's in it. He's a Secret Service agent. And um, he's framed for the attempted assassination of the United States president. Uh, There's a scene in the trailer where the president's wrapping up a day of fishing on the river, and all of a sudden a member of his security team looks at this guy and says, what is that? Are they bats? And then, of course not. Um, Everyone starts panicking. They're drones. They're drones. As a swarm of drones begins to uh, rain down from the sky, um, you know, and and start taking out victims. Um, This very much goes hand in hand with the latest Spider-Man movie, which I've brought this up a couple times on the podcast, where Jake Gyllenhaal, um, you could say he's the villain of the movie, but really he's not. It's drones. He can't do anything without his drones. Um, yeah, well, I apologize to anyone uh, who, who um, you know, but hopefully the people who've seen that movie, um, anyone who's going to see it will have seen it by now. But regardless, we were seeing this, we're seeing Gatwick, you know, what do we need to do as an industry to change this narrative? You know, that's a good question. And so I think what you're going to see with regard to public perspe- uh, per- perception is going to be based on their perspective. So let me explain. So if you're walking around a construction site and you see a drone flying over, you're not going to think anything of it. You're going to think, oh, they're using this in construction, right? And this is positive. But if you're out by a pool and you're, you're a female and you're out by a pool and a drone flies over, you're automatically going to think the worst. And I, I don't, uh, disparage that. I think that's a, a valid issue. I mean, 
people probably shouldn't be flying over and, and, and doing those things, even if they're not doing it for, uh, you know, spying or whatever, but it's gonna It's going to be based on that perspective. So the answer to how we make that and turn that positive is, is going to be a, have to be sort of a, uh, what's the word I want to use? Uh, an offensive, uh, viewpoint from the drone industry, you know, getting the information out there to say, look, um, this is how much good we did with this drone. I think Romeo Dersher does a great job with DJI talking about all, you know, drones for good and talking about all the people that have been rescued. I mean, I know it's always focused on DJI drones, but that basically permeates out through all drones that could possibly be used to, uh, to do good. And, um, I don't know, maybe he puts some stuff in there that says random, uh, things that were done good by drones. But bottom line is it's, it's a very good, uh, platform to say, look, this person's life was saved because of a drone. And here's, a, I can't remember, is it, um, it's another DJI guy. Um, oh, his name escapes my mind right now. Uh, I feel bad about it, but they're very good at putting out information that says, look, these are the good things that drones have done. This is how many lives have been saved just from the using our drones, um, and so that's good. And we just need more of those kinds of things, um, to be put out there and, um, you know, having good relationships with journalists so that, you know, when there is a negative thing out there with journalists, they could possibly explain it and say, look, this may have happened, but look at all these other positive things that happened. Um, if you start putting information out that says, look, um, this much money was saved because we use drones doing this or, this many lives were saved because we were able to determine that these people um, were pre-screened, and we found out they had COVID nineteen. We're able to treat them early, and they 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 survived because of that. Or, you know, just information like that. I think there needs to be a concerted push or continued push to get that positive information out to to you know help the narrative and help um, the general public understand that there's a lot more good than bad, and you know. Don't take everything you see in the movies as real. Absolutely. And I think in our industry, we're fortunate to have a lot of great companies. You know, um, I've had the pleasure of working with Eros, and they facilitated the first drone delivery of an organ uh, in April of 2019. And that transplant recipient is still alive and healthy today. So I think that's a great success story. Um, I also work with drone responders, and they have a um, ton of great stories for how drones are used for public safety and for good. Um, we also are fortunate to have some great drone-based journalists in our industry. You know, uh, Chris Cordy, Miriam McNabb, uh, Philip Butterworth-Hayes, uh, Jeremiah Karpowicz are just some of the ones that come to mind. Um, people that are willing to tell that story to show the world how drones are doing great things. And I think right now it's important for, to the extent we can, for us to unite as an industry to get that message across. I also think it starts at the local level. Um, earlier, I talked about the importance of talking with the right people. I think state and local government leaders are critical targets that we should be reaching out to, to help shape that narrative. Yeah. And, and the person I was thinking of was Adam Lisberg from DJI that, uh, puts out a lot of positive information on what drones are doing for good. But yeah, you're right. All those people that you mentioned are all, um, uh, drone industry, you know, um, champions. They're trying to get the correct information out there, but they're also not, 
uh, letting the, the BS fly either. It's like, you know what, let's talk about this from, from a real perspective. And the real perspective is this, there's some, uh, companies out there making money. There's some companies out there doing well, but this is, it's not the hype that, you know, was, uh, espoused, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, five or 10, you know, five or plus years ago. So, um, it, it's, it's sort of gone the way it probably should. It's just a growth market. People are learning what can and can't be done with drones. You know, drones aren't always the, the best answer. Um, but in, in many cases they can produce, um, decent ROI to an, an amazing ROI. It just depends on what industry you're working with and what vertical and what, what, uh, application you're using these things for. And Michael, I think voices like yours are so important because you're not afraid to paint um, a realistic picture, not just a positive, but you're willing to state the negative as well. So, um, you know, I think a lot of us can take comfort in knowing that someone who is viewing it objectively does think that, you know, this this industry will continue to rise, even though there will be bumps. And it's clear that drones have the... um, have this great potential to help so many industries and to help the public welfare. Uh, Thank you so much for joining the program. You're widely considered to be a visionary and a leader in this industry. And um, I I would welcome the opportunity to have you on the program again. And I look forward to working with you in the future as we continue to grow this industry. Hey, I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. You know, I'm I'm, uh, available to you anytime, Grant.